and we followed this lady blindly into the back roads of Bellevue and up over this hill, and we crested down, and we found this neighborhood that was waist-deep in water still at this point, and these little senior citizens carrying their belongings over their head, waiting, trying to get their stuff up to higher ground, and I thought, well, this is bigger than us. <laughs> Let's go, and so it was awesome. That day we had David Kiley, who's working this morning. He's got this big Jeep with big tires, and we were just driving it into the floodwaters and letting them put their things on top of the, the Jeep, and we're driving it up to dry, higher ground. And, uh, and that began the week <laughs> that we have just concluded yesterday. I've invited Sue to come with us because uh, to, to share just uh, maybe a story this morning because Sue was amazing. Like, this was right in her wheelhouse. Like, because all we had the plan was let's go find people that need help. And so we'd, like, send Sue in. And then she'd come back and like bark orders at us and eat four here and eight here. And here's this lady. And here's I was her. recon. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and it was awesome. We met some incredible people. So I, Sue, uh, Sue Ross uh, is an uh, amazing human being to begin with. But in this element, it was awesome. And I, I don't know if, if there's a story that resonated with you that maybe uh, would be good to share with the folks that maybe couldn't be with us this week. Well, first of all, I just want to tell you that um, and Darren and I had talked before I had come to Conduit, and I said, Darren, I'm not real sure how I'm going to fit in there. Y'all are young, and, and I'm old, and, you know, I've already taken care of three kids, and, and I'm not real sure. But I'll tell you what, what I felt this week was I fit in because Conduit Church has an extraordinary love for God's people. That is what I saw, and if that continues on, there is going to be angels surrounding us as we continue on constantly with what conduit's going to do. I saw that kind of love that sometimes you only see on the mission field. And I'll tell you something, that was the mission field this week. Amen. I'd asked God not to take me back again. I got back from Bolivia a couple years ago and said, okay, that's enough. I'm old. And I tell you what, we are constantly, God's reminded me that we're constantly on a mission field. This story is one that Darren hasn't even heard yet. Um, I was in with Sarah as, you know, I go and do recon and say, we need four here, we need three here. Okay, this person needs prayed for immediately. Come on over. Mike and I yesterday were taking po photos for people and either giving them for FEMA and grabbing wet clothes that we would be able to take home and clean and just coming up creatively with stuff that we could do that maybe they didn't even think about. Well, this one home that we went into, this lady had been married for 59 years, and her and her husband were there and just looked like deer in headlights. Didn't know what step to take next, just walking aimlessly from room to room. So Sarah and I walked over and we could, she, the lady just said, I haven't even been able to get into fresh clothes. So right then and there, God whispered in our ear, let's go take her clothing and at least put them into bags and sort them and mark them for her. So we're in there and uh, in her little bathroom. And guys, you've been able to see some of the pictures, but the smell won't leave for a very long time. The mud and the, you know, you're, you think that people, a flood is water. This was river water. And what landed afterwards was stuff that was in the river and the mud and the smell and just everything. So as we're taking down the clothes, this little lady comes walking in and she looks at Sarah and I as we're folding clothes and 
We, we discovered you don't put too many clothes in a bag because we're just two little short white women and we got to carry those bags out, you know? So um, she comes up and, and, and very timidly says to Sarah and I, if you guys find a little white plastic box, and she's looking around her shoulder, you know, to make sure nobody really hears, and Sarah and I's eyes got real big, and we're like, okay, a little white plastic box had no idea where this lady was going. But she said, when we were told that we needed to evacuate, I grabbed my toothbrush, but I forgot my teeth. So Sarah and I proceeded to look as much as we could. I wish this was an end of a great, a great end to the story, but we did not find her teeth. But that moment just let us feel how priceless things are. Even the clothing that we were taking down, and like I said yesterday, we took some home to wash them. That pricelessness got so much bigger in our hearts. Darren had come up to me at one moment and, you know, you're holding things in and, you know, you want to be strong for these people. And Darren had walked over at one point and I was trying to save some of their albums and I couldn't talk anymore. Photo albums. And I just, uh, it just hit me. These are pictures of their children, of their grandchildren, of their great-grandchildren. And I don't know if those pictures could have been saved, but we tried. And those are things, guys, that maybe might make you declutter a little bit in the human part. So maybe that declutter can happen a little bit in our hearts and minds. Sue was, um, was great this week. If you see her afterwards, give her a big hug. She really did drive us what we were doing over there. It was awesome. Thank you, Sue. The, um, if you want to hug her, though, you'll have to go find her, and she's back with the babies today. You know, one of the things that we had this week was just these amazing opportunities where strangers became friends. You'd be working beside somebody that I didn't, I'd be like for a couple hours going, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't get your name. You know, and we're over there having these conversations. And to me, the, the, there were two stories that, that resonate the most this week. One was, and it actually involves Sue again, but uh, there was this little um, 80-something-year-old lady. Uh, she was by herself and had lost everything. And, and water was, like, about up to here where we were. So their refrigerators were, like, on their sides. And, and she was, this lady was so overwhelmed that she just left, and we didn't know where she went. Turns out where she went was to the Bellevue Community Center to make sandwiches for the people that were in need. Um, she didn't know what else to do. So she came back four or five hours later, expecting to find her house in the condition that she left it in. But what she found was a house that had been, we had to get the sheetrock, all those things you had to get out of there. It was done, basically. And she was just completely overcome. And, and she's like, I want to give you something I don't have. And we're like, no, no, that's not why we're here. It was, a lot of these were, the folks were from that, that you know, the, the World War II generation. They're not looking for something for nothing. And she gave us the only thing she had, which was a pair of rubber gloves they were wrapped up in a little, little dish gloves because the gloves were very important that week. But she had them from under the cupboard, and, and you know Sue was like, "It's like the it's the widow's mite." You know, it's like that's all she had, and it was such an amazing picture of that of a lady that still just wanted to do something. And the other was this guy named Jonathan and his wife Carol. Um, the very first day, the very first door we knocked on, the guy says, "I'm I'm okay right now, but that couple across the street they don't have anything. They don't have anyone, and he's going to tell you no." 
but you should try to help him. And, and we go over there, and sure enough, he said, no, I don't need your help. You could tell he was, you know, overwhelmed and overcome. And, and we went back on Tuesday, and he said, no, I don't need your help. And we went back on Wednesday, and he said, no, I don't need your help. And on Thursday, I think it was Thursday, we had, again, we, were, we had all these plans, and God completely upset the apple cart, and, and I ended up back in Bellevue. We thought, well, we'll stay in Franklin today. And we, I ended up back in Bellevue. Long story short, the whole team ended up back in Bellevue, and I am walking. We're actually at send Sarah over the hill back down because, again, when there's about 15 of us, we're like, we'll send one person down to do the recon, and then we'll come down and do the thing. So, so she's going down the corner. Now, what she didn't know what was going on was at that time, the two neighbors on either side of Jonathan had been talking to him. He had finally come to the conclusion that he needed help. And she said, and he's like, how did you guys find all that help? Where did they come from? And she said, Jonathan, I don't know. They're just angels. They just appeared out of nowhere. And she said, and no sooner had she said those words than Sarah had walked around the corner. And Jonathan, she was, see, there they are. I told you, they're here. <laughs> and Jonathan had not done a thing to his house. And it was dank and un just awful. And, and the, the lady across the street, Lolly, uh, she said, honey, here's the thing. He's, he doesn't have very many friends because he's not very friendly. And I thought, you know what? We're going to friend our way into this guy's life. And he was so overwhelmed, he didn't want to keep anything. He's just treating it like a fire. Wedding pictures, he didn't care at this point. This was Tuesday, or Thursday. So we sent home the wedding pictures. We were sneaking them out in, in tubs. And Margaret, who's not here this morning, has got them at her house. She's drying them out. We're going to scrapbook them. We're going to go back and take them back to Jonathan and his wife. Because sooner or later, they're going to think, oh, wait a minute. That was not what I should have done. So we're, gonna, we're loving this guy. And by, literally by Saturday, you know, he and I are on a first-name basis. He's, um, uh, we prayed with him. He's, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a work in progress with him. But it was an opportunity for us as a church to, you know what, serve people who have absolutely no ability to pay us back. I'm proud to say, I had a pastor tell me on Thursday, bro, man, this will blow your church up. And I was like, I'm proud to say that it didn't, maybe I should be stupid, I don't know. It didn't even occur to me that that's what we were doing. We're in Bellevue. Nobody's going to come to church over here. That's not what we were doing. It was, And I'm also proud to say not a single person in our entire group the entire week said anything about this spurring church growth. We're just going out there to love people. That's it. Because that's all Jesus asked us to do. I'll let him take care of the rest. And I've got Maddie and Tiana here this morning. Are you guys okay with if I do this? If I, can, can you, how about you come down here to the, to the meet and more? These guys uh, were, were pros this week. Um, I don't know if you remember being 13, but touching slime, not cool. Um, but these guys came in on uh, Monday and Tuesday with us, or Monday and and then Maddie came back on Tuesday. Uh, and I just, as a father, I thought, you know, we'd taken her out of school once to go to Disneyland. What could I communicate to her to take her out of school to go do this? And I'm happy to report that they wanted to be there. And they were in the, I mean, literally right in the middle of it, just rolling up nasty, disgusting, muddy, slimy carpet. Not one complaint. Not even, not even a, ew. You know, it was just, they just did it. So do you guys have any stories that, or anything that, that you've, um, after the week that you've thought back and thought, man, that really changed me, or this was a moment for me, or? Not really. Not really. <laughs> what, um, let me ask it this way. Uh, would you do it again? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, 
you would do it again. Why? It was fun. It was like definitely was better than just sitting at home wondering what was going on. And hmm. It made me feel better about myself when I did it hmm. because I was helping other people. How much better of a way to raise our teenagers and our kids than actually going out and, I mean, look, we're, the entire church in America has lost its mind. We've been in this contest to so see you can build the biggest, baddest $20 million youth facility, and we're losing 85% of our kids when they graduate. Maybe we're not doing something right. Maybe if we're rolling up our sleeves and going into this and serving people, that maybe, I don't know, just maybe if we do it the way that Jesus said, that it would actually work, so... Anyway, I didn't mean to embarrass you guys, but thank you for coming down. These lovely ladies will be the ones hanging, handing out roses to you this morning and Starbucks cards. In the, in the book of Acts, you know, the beautiful thing about when you're going through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, is it seems like wherever you are, there you are. Very deep. Write that down. Um, this was the week that I planned on talking about fellowship. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, prayer, breaking of bread, communion. And the Lord, it says down in verse 48, added to their numbers daily. That was their entire program for church, period. Simple. They didn't have the church softball team. I mean, they just, not that there's anything wrong with those things. They just didn't do it. And the Lord added to their numbers daily, it says down in verse 48. Like, that's pretty much it. I'm a pretty simple guy. That's what we, I felt like God was calling us to be at Conduit. And I thought, well, today we would be the day we, we should probably talk about these four things, kind of get our mind wrapped around what does communion mean, what does fellowship mean. And, and today was supposed to be fellowship day. Now, what's amazing about that is this. When you think fellowship, well, look, I don't know what you think. I'm old enough that I think the little building at the top of the hill behind the church, I think of linoleum floors, I think of stale coffee and stale cookies and little old ladies yelling at me to, to not, you know, to stop running. That's what I think of fellowship hall. Or I think Lord of the Rings. Those are the two <laughs> things that I think. That's about it with fellowship. It's definitely a very Christianese word, right? I mean, if you've watched, I haven't actually watched Lost, but these guys are technically on an island, and no one has ever said, hey, dude, let's go fellowship, man. We're like on this island. You know, they're all together like that, but that, that's just, that's not in the lexicon of the American language, right? We just don't use that word. Unless you're in a church. And then you say, you know, especially Bible college, hey, man, let's go fellowship after, you know, it's code for date sometimes, right? Hey, you know, a couple of us are going over to fellowship, you know, tonight. Um, But you know what I mean? It's just like, it's a word that is kind of, and I, it's, here's the thing. It's a bummer because it's actually a word that is pregnant with meaning. This is a word that in the Greek language is the word koinonia. And it is a full-bodied word. It is a deep word. And it's a word that as best I can possibly describe it in the English language, and maybe this is why it's so hard, because there isn't one word that can encapsulate the whole thing, is partnership. We're partners. And if you've ever been like in a business partnership, you know that this is, you know, you live together, you die together, you, do, you pay your taxes together, you, you know, it, every, it's literally, you're in deep. It, when, if one guy's down, the other guy's got to pick him up and vice versa. And that's as best I can describe it in our language is partnership. Because it, it, it does mean hanging out with each other. It does mean like uh, the, the, the mother church that sent us out, you know, they, they call uh, their small group setting, they want to dwell in a soul environment. 
It, it means that. It means the, the ability to be accountable to each other. And, and if you don't have that in your life, man, I highly recommend it. You know, guys, you know, find some guys that you can just shoot real straight. And ladies, the same thing. Dwelling in that environment, that is a piece of fellowship. But it's more than that. It's deeper than that. It's more profound than that. It's more beautiful than that. In 1 John, actually, you know what? I'm going to take a detour. Go with me to Romans first. Romans 15. Fifteen twenty-six. Paul is talking to the church at Rome, and he's saying, look, you're, we've just taken up this offering for the poor, for the saints in Jerusalem that were a lot like our friends in Bellevue this week. They just needed a hand. They were being persecuted. They were being beat down. They were poor. They were desperate. And Paul said that it pleased them in Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. And if you want to know more about that, read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. But that word contribution, that gift, and you can go to 1 John while you're doing that. If you want to know more about that word, that word contribution, we sent our koinonia. It's the same word from Acts 2.42. They dwelled together as believers in fellowship. This was they sent their fellowship to the saints that needed them. This week in Bellevue, in Franklin, all around us as a church, we fellowshiped with our brothers and sisters. It was way more than just hanging out at the sports bar and watching the game. We were sending our contribution. Our efforts over there, there were contractors over there charging between four and $6,000 to gut these houses. We probably saved these little old people that had no flood insurance combined upwards of $40,000, $45,000 this week. We sent our contribution. We sent our koinonia. We sent our fellowship to them. And the question would be, if we know what fellowship is, which is our partnership, it's our living on this level with each other, and in our own church. By the way, the first people we were able to help we're people in our own church. Not that there's a delineation in that, but it's just the way God folded it out. Jay had like five feet of water in his basement. We had pumps over there helping him out. Tim Bassanio and Edie, we were over there, friends uh, from, from our sister church. We were fellowshipping with each other. And then the question would be then, if that's what we're supposed to be, and as conduit, I want you to know, I don't have some big grand plan. We don't have a plan to buy a billboard. We don't have any radio spots in the can. We don't, and not that there's anything wrong with those things. We just, that's just not how God has wired us to be. Our plan is just to do these four things in Acts 2.42 and let the Lord add to our numbers daily those that are being saved. And one of those things is this. It's the fellowship component. And in our small group environment, I believe that you can achieve the beauty of, of koinonia, of fellowship, but I think it's a gerarium. Is, is, that, what you, is that the thing where you grow plants inside, ladies? Okay, um, it's a gerarium. Because you can do it. You can grow plants inside in the gerarium. But man, where do they grow best? In the environment that they were created for. Outside, in the land, in the soil. And that's what I hope, that's what I know. That's what we did this week. Was we fellowship together in the real environment of the world where we grow best. First John chapter one. And John, 
couldn't give a better picture of how this fellowship thing works and of how it looks in our everyday life. He says, we proclaim to you in verse three, what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us, koinonia. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. For starters, you can't do this unless you've got that relationship with Christ. That fellowship with him comes first. I can go out and fake it, but if I've got the fellowship with Christ, with my Father in heaven, the relationship with him, this just is a natural outpouring of it. If my relationship with God, if I'm fellowshipping with him and he is fellowshipping with me, then this is just a natural outgrowth of that. I can have that koinonia with the Father, him giving me what I need. When he appeared to Abram in Genesis 17, 1, he says that I am God Almighty. And that word there was El Shaddai, which is a, made a great Christian song, but, that's, but it's better than that even though it sold a lot of records. It meant, the, believe it or not, El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, actually was a maternal picture of God. It speaks of breastfeeding, of sufficiency. And it actually, in Genesis 49, 25, if you want to go there, you can see it, even in the prophecy that, that Jacob was giving over his children that he was talking about the womb and, 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 and breastfeeding as part of the picture of God to us. It's a sufficiency. And you young moms that have little babies, you know that. You know what it's like. You know, and I don't, by the way, but I, I'm kind of aware that there's this sufficiency. There's the sufficiency in the milk that is perfect and complete. And it's the picture for us of our God on Mother's Day saying to you and I that I, I have that fellowship with you and that I am complete, that what I have for you is perfect for you. So once you've got that established, and this is a picture of what it is for us, then he says, verse five, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. In verse 7, but if we, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Again, a great Christian song, but what does it mean? I mean, if I were to have you guys hand out and write down, okay, what does is, what is walk in the light mean? I suspect we'd probably have 15 different answers. It sounds great on a bumper sticker, great in a song, but what the heck does it mean? How do I walk in the light? Am I running around with mag lights witnessing to people? I mean, what? seriously, pray and read your Bible? Sure. The best way to interpret the Bible, gang, is let the Bible interpret the Bible. What does it mean to walk in the light? Because if we're walking in the light, it says that we'll have fellowship with each other. So if we're attempting to do fellowship without doing this first, we're getting the cart before the horse. Matthew chapter five, and this is, this is it. You're looking for a picture of what does it mean to walk in the light, it's right here. Matthew five, verse 14. You are the light of the world, you. Okay, I know that George Bush did the thousand points of light speech 20 years ago. He was more right than he could have known. You are the light of the world. Me, you. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, listen, if, if you've tuned out, tune back in, and then I'll let you go back to sleep. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. What is our light? If I'm letting my light shine, what does that practically mean? I don't have to wonder. Jesus is telling me it's my good deeds. Christianity, where I grew up, was all about you got to stop doing a whole bunch of stuff. And we spent all this energy on stop, stop this, stop that, stop. And none of it on the starting part of it. Jesus gives us a great clue. If I'm going to let my light shine before men, it's my good deeds. And it makes perfect sense. When Anderson Cooper shows up in our town and the thing he can do is be speechless about how awesome it is that all these churches and these church groups, I'm sure he probably would have rather found somebody that wasn't a Christian to interview, but he couldn't because we're always down. There was a bunch of Christians serving each other. And what happened was a thousand points of light were being shown into Bellevue, Tennessee. We were a handful of that light of Christ being shown into there. And what happened was this. They would see our good deeds and have nothing else to do but give glory to our Father in heaven. And Conduit, what I would say to you is that if we're gonna fellowship, this is it. This is the picture of us. Sure, we're gonna have small groups. I mean, we're four weeks old. We are a small group. But sure, that'll happen. And, and it happens already naturally anyway. Nobody has to program it. If you know the Pappases, you know that there are opportunities at any given moment to sit down and play games and have fun. I mean, that, that's happening already in our midst. Jay is here somewhere. He's got the 222 ministry where, you know, on Monday nights they're getting together. I mean, that's just a natural out, outgrowth of a church anyway. But if all we do is that and we stop there, we've just missed the bigger picture of it. Because let me tell you what, when you're swinging a hammer in a rain-soaked apartment condo that smells like bad, and you're next, if you literally build relationship there, look, there's a reason why, why Marines want to be buried together. They fought together. They warred together. They battled together. And there's nothing that builds a relationship more than that than putting your life in someone else's hand. And I, I speak with no experience firsthand on that. But I do speak with experience in the body of Christ, that some of the best relationships that I have have been formed because we've just served together, because we have warred together, because we have been a light to our community together. And conduit, that's what fellowship is. It's serving each other. In our own midst this week, Tamara had knee surgery, and we know she's a single mom, and she's, it's hard. And the Pappas has opened up their home, and have, they fellowship with her. They help to provide for her. They help, you know, it's, that's what we do. To live in an environment where I know that you've got my back and I've got your back, that's fellowship. And if there's anything worthy of us giving glory to our God this morning about is that we have been able to see our good deeds. Again, not that we take credit for any of it because it's just Christ working in us anyway. And then we can give glory to God because of it. So as our musicians return, I would encourage you this morning, A, that if you're not in that environment already where you do have somebody that you can shoot straight and you know, to, to really begin to seek that out on a personal level. And more than that, more deep than that, to know that, or just as important as that, 
is to know that you're in a church that loves you, that you've got a place to stand, and we've got opportunities to, for you to <laughs> grab a gun and stand a post. And my prayer is that we would all understand what it is exactly that We'd all understand exactly what real fellowship was. Fellowship with our Father, fellowship with Him to us, and fellowship with us one to another, one being exactly what we said we wanted to be, which is a, or a, a conduit of His love to the community in front of us and to the world around us. This week, we got to be to the community right in front of us. We let our light shine. And what does Jesus say the response would be? That we would give glory to our Father in heaven. I wanted to say one last quick little story. On Monday, when we were uh, in here in Franklin, and we were working at a, a person's house, we were just completely gutting it and pulling everything out. And the guy was who was just sitting there, just floored. You know, they were helping, and I started talking to him. It ended up that he was one of the pastors. He's the small groups pastor of People's Church, and I just thought that was so cool because one. We didn't know that. And there were people from People's Church in and out, and they had people off through the streets too. But as conduit, we were able to help another church and be the church in another way. And he was just ecstatic about what was happening. And just like everyone else, as we were able to serve. You know, as we sing uh, this one last song, uh, one of the ways that we get to worship is through our giving and being able to give towards this, this ministry. And the way we do that is we're going to toss some bucks down your table if you feel like, uh, like giving to us. But think of it as partnering with us. These things that we talked about today, that is Conduit Church. Um, that is what we are going to be. If you've been around for a while, you know we also have the, the nonprofit, the Conduit Mission side of it. And if... If people want to give, I know there's been a lot of people and even uh, on Twitter and everything asking, you know, how can I give? Um, conduitmission.org if you want to give straight to the flood. But I promise you, also giving to Conduit Church, which by the way, if you want to see updates on the church, it's conduitchurch.com or .org, either one of them. Um, but as far as Darren and I are concerned, Conduit Church, Conduit Mission, it's the same thing. We both are actively involved in all of them, and from the moment we started it, we knew from the moment we started Conduit Church, they're one and the same. So I think that's important to hear, too, as, as we're talking about what we're doing. So.